You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Today, we have one of the most financially and just businessly (laughs) successful guests we have ever had on the show. Rob Moore is a beast of business. Rob lives and loves entrepreneurship and property investing. He is on a mission to change the way people think about business and aims to support people around the globe through the Rob Moore Foundation. Rob co-founded Progressive Property, the UK's leading property training company, and Progressive Success with his business partner before becoming the host of the wildly successful podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, and now The Money Podcast. Those are both listened to in 192 countries worldwide. This has grown into a complete digital agency, Progressive Media. Rob is a self-made millionaire by the age of 30, having risen to riches from being heavily in debt in his 20s. Rob retired and unretired countless times, each time creating new innovation, vision, book, or an entire company. He continues to disrupt as an entrepreneur and a businessman with interests ranging from property development to public speaking to digital media. He is a writer, a communicator, a social media influencer, and a philanthropist. His eight books have been translated into more than a dozen languages and received over 9,000 reviews. He is a highly sought-after public speaker, having given 1,200 speeches in the last decade and held two world records for the longest individual speech marathon. Rob holds his audience captive as an engaging and innovative speaker. He has the rare skill of cutting to the chase, using his personal experience to help others and entertain in a disruptive way. Through the Rob Moore Foundation, he provides an opportunity for underprivileged individuals, startups, and small established businesses to gain valuable support, investment, and mentorship from some of the best in the business. All of his profits from his book, Money, go to the foundation. Now, I mean, come on, (laughs) listening to that introduction, this guy is a beast. Like, talk about goals, right? Well, yes, but yet no. Today's conversation is a raw, real, and valuable look at what it looks like to be an entrepreneur chasing things, and yet when you reach those things, realize that's not all there is to life or business. Rob engaged us in a powerful conversation, honestly, about his journey as an entrepreneur, how business and and entrepreneurship can be addictive and become a drug and a distraction from the real things in life. We talk about purpose and meaning in our own lives, which translates to running a business that changes the game. This conversation is powerful beyond words. Learning from one of the greats of the entrepreneurial world and hearing his own advice to newer entrepreneurs. Seriously, this is an episode you can't miss. Grab a drink or a snack of your choice and let's sit down for an incredible conversation of what it means to be a truly successful entrepreneur. Let's dive on in. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. 
Rob, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are so beyond excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, oh man, we have been waiting for this interview for so long and we're just excited. You have just a world of knowledge to teach us and our listeners. And I, I can't wait to just dive into it just from like property to entrepreneurship in general to uh, like speaking. I just, I can't wait to get into it. So just for anybody that hasn't heard of you or doesn't know you, tell us a little bit about your story and just about how you got to where you are today. Okay. So I'm um, 42. I'm a UK very good-looking entrepreneur. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) No, I'm, yeah, I'm a UK entrepreneur. I started in property in 2006. Um, I I built um, a a sizable portfolio with my business partner. We own, own, co-own and manage between us about 850 um, rental units. Dang. Um, (laughs) We're doing a 100-unit conversion at the moment. It's 85,000 square foot. Um, so it's kind Holy of like a, a, a small shopping center or a large department store size. We're, we're building t- um, two levels above and doing a um, hundred flat conversion. We ended up, um, we sold the ground floor off for what we paid for the whole building. So really, wow. we, we ended up getting the building for free. And then, so all the conversion is just our cost on top. Um, we're doing one across the, 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 the road which is probably be 35 to 50 unit conversion. Um, wow. So we've been doing that, you know, quite a long time now. Like I said, I started in my mid-20s. Um, and then in 2007, eight, we started a training company in teaching people what we knew about property because, you know, in our mid-20s, we'd done all right. Um, I became a millionaire between age 30 and 31 because back when I was young, that was a goal of mine. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't really, you know, I, I'm not so really so bothered about, you know, how many more millions I get now, I'm more bothered about contribution and, and reaching more people and having a meaningful business. But, you know, I was young and that's okay to have goals. Um, and so we built the UK's largest training company that, um, its best year was probably 21 million oh, in all, reven- all revenues. Um, I started a podcast four and a half years ago, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, which has done very well here in the UK. I have written 16 books and 17, 18, and 19 are being written um, as we speak. I, I do quite a lot of charity work. We've given away. I've done, um, I've broke two world records for public speaking and raised a few hundred thousand in those for um, various charities. I'm a dad of two, um, nine and five, nearly six. But yeah. I, I, no, I, I feel a bit, I, I'm very English in that I feel, feel very uncomfortable talking about my accolades. Um, I, reali- I, re- I realize this is the bio section. So, what, so else, what, else do you, what else do you do? But just so you know, you're making me cringe myself here. Because um, we, we could learn a lot from you, you, you know, you guys across the pond in America, as we say, because I think you're much better at championing your own results and, um, we call it blowing our own trumpet here in the UK. Um, <laughs> right. I I'm mean, just... your bio speaks for itself, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you are pretty incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So maybe more will come out in the um, in the discussion we have. I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I love it. Well, Rob, I mean, I totally, I also relate to feeling slightly uncomfortable, like talking about, you know, our own successes or or whatever, but you have accomplished so much and done so much. And I, I 
am so appreciative that you're willing to even like share everything that you've done just because it, it shows, hey, I know my crap. I know what I'm doing. I've been through this. Like this is my heart and my passion and, and my skill set. Um, I'm so, so excited to kind of like dive into just what you've learned. So starting off, could, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what drew you to the entrepreneurial lifestyle? Like you've obviously done so, so much from public speaking to writing to, you know, co-founding the progressive property. Like how did each thing lead to another and what kind of even got you started into the entrepreneurial world? Yeah, I can. I'll, t- I'll try and take you on a journey, but make the short radio edit, not the full album version. Um, <laughs> so uh, like you, you said something about, you know, passion and love. I love entrepreneurship. Um, it's, mm-hmm. one, it's one of, if not my greatest loves. Um, and I think that helps. And I think that shows through. And I think if you speak to, you know, I have quite a big community following in various places. And I think that they would say that of me. And I think that that's the thing that's kept me going when it's hard, kept me going when maybe, you know, like obviously lockdown has been hard. We went through a recession. We've had our own challenges. I've made some mistakes. And I think, you know, the passion and the love for being an entrepreneur, which being an entrepreneur to me means being creative, innovative, creating your own destiny, answering and being fully accountable to yourself and no one else, creating meaningful products and services that solve meaningful problems in the world. you know, being able to pivot, to dance, to duck, to bob, to weave, to react, to markets, to, um, you know, communities, to social media, and always look for the solution, the opportunity. That All of that is what embodies entrepreneurship. And I just love that, that I would do that without being paid if pay, being paid weren't a thing. Um, <laughs> now, it started actually when I was very young, when I was probably not even six years old, because my dad's always had pubs and clubs and bars. Uh, and we used to always live in the sort of flats above. And then he'd have the pub or the nightclub or the restaurant below. And we, we moved to quite a few of them over the years. And he'd get me working really young at six. He'd get me emptying the fruit machines, the pool tables, counting all the money, putting them into money bags, taking them down the bank with him, bottling up, which is like cleaning, putting all the um, bottles and cans back on the shelves from a busy night before when they're all empty. And, you know, changing the beer barrels and everything. And he'd pay me a pound, you know, for a day or a week's work, depending on what I did. And I just, um, I just, I loved being around my dad and I loved, um, I loved working and then earning money and doing something. I love counting the money and being around my dad and his businesses. And I think that's where my love for entrepreneurship started. Um, but what happened was as I um, went into the school system, um, and sort of started doing exams and then went to university, I think I'd forgotten that part of myself. Um, and the school system and the university system in both America and England, although probably more in America, that, that if you go all the way through that system, you end up with a lot of debt. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I did an architecture degree, but I didn't want to be an architect. And so many people, I know I'm not the only one, you know, you do a degree because you think you want to seem smart to others or it's the road you're supposed to go down. It's the road you told you to go down. Yeah. But I didn't step, back, didn't step yeah. back and go, what do I want to do with my life? Um, and then I, I finished my degree and then my mum sort of just really at the end uh, called me up and said, you need to come back and work at the pub just for a little bit because dad's not very well. I mean, and we just need some help. And that ended up being three years. And so wow. I'm, now tw- I'm now 25, nearly turning 26. and 
you know, I'm less of an entrepreneur when I was, than when I was six years old. Um, then my dad, on December the 15th, 2005, had a major nervous breakdown. Um, he's got a bipolar or manic depression, as it's also known. He had a huge nervous breakdown in his pub in front of all of his customers. Um, mm. It was a horrific affair. I managed to get him outside of the pub. He got arrested and beaten up by the police and sectioned. And we've, I mean, mm. I mean, my dad's been three years into another sort of episode in the last three years, but we've been going through this on and off since 2005. Um, so on and off for 15 years. Uh, but every downside has an upside. I really believe in that. And um, the upside to that was that really woke me up. It was like a, an awakening, an epiphany. It would, really was like it was a message to me. Rob, you have to do something with your life. You've got yourself in a massive load of debt. You don't know what you, you want to do. You're complacent, ignorant. Um, I wouldn't say cocky or arrogant. I'd say a level down, but complacent, ignorant, lazy, entitled, reliant, not self-sufficient. I mean, I'm nearly 26. I'm still having to get paid by my mum and dad and living in their pub. I mean, that's not where I wanted to be, but life can catch up with you and you can turn around and you're like, where did the last 10 years go? Um, mm -hmm. And that's really what yeah. happened. But after he had that nervous breakdown, that just, that kickstarted a, a, a huge chain of events from um, going to a property networking event to meet my business partner at, at that event, to buying hundreds of houses together, to setting up what became the biggest property training company, to buying a personal development company, which has become a, an eight-figure business, to starting one of the most successful podcasts, to writing all the books, to doing all the, um, the charity work. We have um, a letting agency that manages um, you know, nearly a 1,000 properties. We have, uh, before the lockdown, had 95 staff in the office. And we have commercial, quite a lot of commercial property. Um, and, and, and those things just came one after another after another, but over 15 years, of course. Um, mm -hmm. and, and more today, I do a lot of content on social media and I'm, I'm, I hate to use the word influencer, but I've got, uh, um, Facebook keep giving me all the new influencer tools like supporters and stars and paid live events. And, um, so my social media impact has really grown. I'm, I'm now reaching millions of people a month, which for me is a dream. Um, and I'd like to reach tens of millions a month and then a hundred million a month. And then, you know, uh, uh, who knows? It could be more. Um, so for me, it's become about not just the money because one, you know, I, in this lockdown, we, um, changed our business model. We created online events. We became more profitable on half the turnover. Um, we, we really did re re reinvent our business. And it, it, for a while there, I was like, this is hard. And, you know, I've really got to work. I was working from 3 a.m. till 9 p.m., getting like a sadistic pleasure out of it because I'm a workaholic. And then <laughs> maybe, may, maybe about six weeks ago, I just, it just dawned on me, I don't need any more money. Um, I've got all the cars and all the watches and all the houses that for, for, you know, for, a, for not just my lifetime, but many lifetimes, what am I chasing? What am I chasing? I've got a 300,000-pound car. I've got the nicest classic Ferrari just about I think you can get. What am I chasing? I've got dozens of watches. The, some of them are hundreds of thousands of pounds. What are you chasing, Rob? Um, and entrepreneurialism is a, a, a gift and a curse. Um, and my passion and profession merged, but it also became an addiction. And I don't. you can only wear one watch at a time and you can only drive one car at a time. And so I thought, stop chasing and start being. And, um, you know, you said my bio's great and, you know, you got me to talk all these things out. And maybe if you'd have talked to me three years ago, we'd have focused on that. But um, where I'm at in my life now, 41 years old, I don't want to do great things. I want to be a great person. 
and then mm. do and then great things will come from that. But what I think I've done over the last say three years is do lots of great things, but forget who I am. Because when you've got a great podcast and loads of books and loads of properties and you know you you know you lovely ladies say the nice things that you do, it's easy for me to feel good about that. It's easy for you to think, you know, Rob's great. But that's not me. That's what I've done. Yeah. You know, and, and, and like the question is, who am I? And mm-hmm. the entrepreneurial curse is you get so addicted to the work and there's always the chase of the more money, the bigger cars, the more followers on social media, the more comments, the more turnover, the more market share. You can really hide behind that and get lost in that. And that question, who am I, is a question I've asked, asked a lot in lockdown. And I'm still asking it. And it's, um, it's proving actually the greatest challenge of my life, I would say. Hmm. Wow. Ugh. Just take us to church. Like, wow. <laughs> 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 like, that is that so good. I mean, I think I couldn't agree more. I, yeah. Sorry, Abby, you go. <laughs> I just think it's so important for, you know, there, a question on our list today of something we wanted to ask you was about, you know, the entrepreneurial mindset can become, you know, so addicting, especially when we get these new ideas and, and all this stuff. And it it's so true. It's, you know, Lindsay and I are, you know, only a few, I would say like five years into the entrepreneurial journey, but it, it really can become so addicting and that, that can be both a blessing and a curse. And it, if you balance it well and, you know, recognize the purpose behind it and, you know, focus on yourself and your family and, you know, leaving a legacy and an impact in the world and not just chasing money or numbers or whatever, you know, it, it can be such a beautiful thing. But if, if we don't, you know, recognize the, the negative side of that, you know, addictive, uh, rush when, you know, in the entrepreneurial lifestyle, it can really mess us up. And I, I see that a lot from like studying some of the, you know, biggest entrepreneurs in the world. So I just thank you, Rob, for like being so transparent and so honest about your journey and, you know, sharing that side of things from someone who has gone ahead of us. Like that is seriously so impactful and so freaking true. So I just like mic drop. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, look, what I try and do with my content and interviews, I told you before, didn't know we went live, that I don't read the questions. I try and bring something, you know, unique to every. I've done thousands of speeches and videos and um, I try and, you know, not have the same content twice and um, give variety and, and, and share and express where I am in the moment. If you'd have seen me on the drive going up and chasing all of these things which I didn't think were elusive. I thought they were what I wanted. But you know, you, you get 10 staff, then 50 staff, then 100 staff. Where's the end? You do 5 million, then 10 million, then 20 million, then where's the end? You write one mm-hmm. book, then 5, then 10. Where's the end? You have 100 followers, 1,000 followers, a million, million followers. Where's the end? And yeah. um, you know, you've, you've just caught me in a very contemplative time. Um, and I, I guess I can only speak for me and my story, and we're all different. But for me, entrepreneurialism is a, an addiction. It has been an addiction. It's an easy way to hide away from your personal problems or you know, anything that any, that's not going right in your life. You can just hide behind your laptop or a live video or 
a deal that you do and, and you can get that kick again. You can get that buzz. But until you actually face those other challenges, they don't go away. They get bigger. Um, mm-hmm. I've always had coaches, mentors, done loads of courses. I've always believed in, you know, uh, owning the traits of the greats and standing on the shoulders of giants well, for the last 15 years anyway. Um, but I actually hired a therapist about a year ago for the first time. Um, and the question my therapist comes back to all the time is, Rob, who is Rob when you take away everything he's done? And she's, she's, she's like, this, she, she thinks there's this child Rob and this adult Rob. She talks about three egos, parent ego, adult ego, child ego. Um, and she's always bringing me back to my child ego, the, the last overweight, unnoticed, not valuable, not admired, not respected, not loved, couldn't get the girls, always felt on the outside. And she's always coming back to, to this version of me. And she says, what I immediately do when we go there, when we talk about that I'm a good person, is I justify it by saying, yeah, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've given this much money away. I did 200 calls to um, start up entrepreneurs over the last two weeks to help them. And she keeps saying, Rob, no, you've got nothing else to prove. You keep saying to me what you've done, but that's not who you are. Who you are is who you are. And you've got to love yourself for who you are. And I'm mm. trying to help as many people or show results or accolades to, you know, for, to really own who I am. And she's, no, 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 it's not about what you've done. It's about who you are. And when I strip that away, I do find it hard to, it's ironic because I wrote a book, a book that did really well in the UK called I'm Worth More, all about increasing your self-worth. And I have definitely struggled with a lot of the chapters and the concepts of self-worth, which I suppose some people could say, well, why'd you write a book about it then? But other, then others could say, well, I've lived it. So I've got the experience mm-hmm. to write it because if you've never had self-worth issues, you can't write a book on self-worth because you've never had the issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, you know, some of the things I teach about how people should value themselves yeah, and they're definitely coming to terms with it. I know what I've done and I'm proud of what I've done. But I think you've got to be cool with who you are and not let being an entrepreneur define you or own you or be your only identity. Mm. Yeah. I think it's it's not deriving your worth from what you do. Like, like your worth as a human being does not come from what you do or the accolades. Like you said, it's it's... Like you, you are. are worthy in of like yeah. God makes you worthy. He created you, and so I I, I love everything that you just said. Mm-hmm. And that's I don't know why that is so hard for so many people, myself included. Yeah. You know, we compare ourselves to others. We have a vision of how other people want us to be. We fear being disliked. We fear being ridiculed. We fear being judged. We fear being criticized. We you know we fear people thinking we're a fraud. We have the the imposter syndrome. We fear making massive mistakes. We fear shame. You know, we, oh God, we have all these fears and I think that they, they build layers and we protect ourselves from actually showing the world who we really are. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I don't even have any idea necessarily what you believe, Rob. So I hope this isn't like offensive at all. But uh, Lindsay and I are both like Christians and, and we believe in God. And that is something that we personally are so, so passionate about. It's a big part of the reason we you know, named our, our education company, the Heart University is because, you know, 
the the business side of things, the entrepreneurial journey and everything is fantastic. And it's, it's wonderful. There's nothing inherently wrong with entrepreneurship or business or anything. That's, that's an incredible part of life. But if, if that is everything to us and we lose sight of ourselves and our own worth, especially in God, then we lose sight of everything in the pursuit of, you know, stuff in this physical world. And it it gets so convoluted to attach our worth to our actions or, you know, our successes or whatever. And the minute, you know, we fail on a business deal, we feel like a failure as a person. Or the minute one person doesn't like us, we think, oh, we are unworthy or, you know, rubbish as a person. But Lindsay and I personally, and a, a lot of our audience, I think too, really strongly believe that our worth comes from the God of the universe who not only created us with intention, but that same God created the sky, the stars, like the the galaxies. Like he created us with just as much intention as the galaxies. And that's where our worth comes from. Like as a as a beloved, intentionally created, chosen child of God. So I don't necessarily know if that's like way off base of what you believe, but th- literally everything that you're saying is ringing so true with like myself and I'm sure Lindsay as well of just everything Lindsay and I want to do, we want it to come from a place of our identity in Christ first. And then the entrepreneur, like, you know, the, the life and, you know, whatever comes after that, but the foundation always has to be who we are and not what we do. Yeah. Well, first off, you said, I don't know if you find this offensive. I absolutely don't find anything you said offensive. Um, (laughs) I I respect, I respect anyone's right to believe in whatever they believe in. Mm -hmm. Um, that is the freedom. And actually I, I, I like being around diverse people with diverse cultures and races and religions, because I feel that that's fruitful and gives life a variety and, um, and, and we, and we learn from it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I use, I usually dance around the question of religion. Um, there's three three places I don't normally go on interviews: religion, politics, and relationship advice. Because I'm not qualified <laughs> in any of that. Just, yeah, you know. But I mean, you know. So uh, I don't really know what I believe, but I do mm-hmm. believe that um, that there is something way higher and more powerful and ordered and wise than mm-hmm. us mere mortals. I definitely believe that. Um, and I do believe that everybody has value and we're yeah. all necessary and we all have a, a mission or a, you know, a purpose to tune into. Otherwise, why would we be born? Mm-hmm. I believe in, in the concept of vertical and not horizontal relationships. Vert- horizontal relationships is I'm better than you, you're better than me, I subordinate to you, you're my authority, hierarchy. Whereas horizontal relationships is you're just another human being with a different set of values and a different set of trades. And we're equally needy. All right, I might earn more money than you, but you might be more healthy than me and you might be more spiritually than me and you might be more wise than me. But, you know, I, I definitely believe that we're all unique. There's no two people on this planet that are the same. We all have a unique set of values. We're, human beings are horizontal. We're all interdependent. We all need each other hierarchies and authorities are created by structures and egos and um, factions and things as opposed to, you know, maybe our true nature. Um, you know, if we went back to a tribe, well, you know, we'd, we'd need all of us who had our trade would be equally value, valuable. 
um, mm-hmm. because, you know, to keep the tribe going. Whatever we did, we'd all have equal value. And that equality of value, especially with things that are happening with race, et cetera, and, and sex, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we've lost that over time. I do really believe we all have equal value. And um, the ego tries to subordinate or elevate. So the ego tries to get you to rise above to make you feel powerful or subordinate down because you don't feel worthy. Um, the ego does that. But the ego, I don't think, is our true self. Um, my ego certainly done that. It's puffed itself up when it's trying to prove to the world that it, it is somebody because when I was fat and you were abusing me, you thought I'd be nothing and look at me now and I get too proud. And when I get proud, let's use the phrase universe. The universe throws me a humiliation to get me back into balance. And then sometimes I humiliate myself or I, um, you, you know, I feel guilt or I feel shame or, um, I subordinate for whatever reason. Um, and then the universe will give me, um, some support to lift me back up into balance. So I believe that the, the universal powers, whatever they may be, are trying to keep us in constant balance. Um, mm-hmm. a, a, ment- a mentor of mine who's very wise says, um, the maximum human growth is on the border of support and challenge. So too much support, you become spoilt, juvenile mm-hmm. and dependent too much challenge and you become broken um, and bitter and you just can't cope. So, Mm. um, you know, that we're always getting signs and lessons to get to humiliate or elevate us to get us back into this natural balance where the maximum growth is. And I think a big delusion for people is that the problems will go away. Um, Problems are feedback for you to grow and transcend the current state and level of being that you're at. You know, if we all, if we, if, if we never grew, we'd all still be a juveniles. We wouldn't need to learn to talk. We'd just all be de- dependent juveniles. But, you know, of course, we get more wise as we get older. We get more life experiences. We experience more pain and more hurt, which creates more wisdom. Um, we have to learn and fight to, to receive joy. Another myth that I think is out there is that the purpose of life is happiness. Happiness is the reward for the struggle and the challenge, and happiness has to be earned. People say, oh, yeah, but Rob, Buddhist monks, they're happy 18 hours a day. Yeah, they meditated for 30 years for 18 (laughs) hours a day to be able to to tune in to their happiness. So they earned it. And, you know, when when you do a a real estate deal and you make $50,000, well, that's hard and you've got to cut that deal and you've got brokers and solicitors, lawyers, you've got banks and tenants and voids and maintenance and, you know, that's all a struggle. And then only once you've really struggled through that do you get the rental income on an ongoing basis and you get a good tenant that stays for a while. So, you know, we're constantly throwing challenges to force us to grow. Um, as John Demartini says, in every stressing is a blessing. And so I feel like if, Whilst I'm, I've sort of danced around the religion question, but I feel like one of the higher orders is to um, guide us towards evolution so that the species can survive, because I think that's in our nature. And mm-hmm. evolution is growth, so therefore we need to be forced into grow, into challenges to grow, because if it was our choice, we'd take the easy route, not the hard route. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like that. And then, and then I think another purpose in life is to find our purpose yeah. because I, we, yeah. we must all have one because it would have been, 10,000 years ago, it would have been obvious what my purpose was. You're a carpenter. You're a butcher. 
you know, you're a mother, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you're a cobbler, you're an ironmonger, and we we all had equal value. Um, But that's got lost. Um, And so I think it's more important than ever in this distracted world to to think, what is my purpose? What am I here to do? How am I here to serve people? Um, You know, what's my legacy? And for me, and I am... I articulated this in a phrase many years ago, but it took me a long time to get there. And it is um, to help as many people on the planet start and scale a business and get a better financial education. That is my global vision. And my mission is to keep going until I'm 100 or 120 or however long <laughs> we can live then, reaching millions, then hopefully billions of people, helping them start and scale their business helping them get a better financial education. Now, of course, we've, we've talked more here about a more ethereal um, side of entrepreneurship, you know, a more vulnerable, honest, personal mm-hmm. side of entrepreneurship. Yeah. But that's because that's, all, that's part of it. If you yeah. ignore that, like I have in my life, take the warning from me. I have become a workaholic and I've got all these accolades and that has come at a cost. Take yeah. it from me. Um, and, yeah. you know, like, all right, you know, maybe, maybe a 300,000 pound car does make you happy. But if you've got problems in your life, it doesn't make them go away. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, I could, I could <laughs> ramble on for ages about <laughs> this. But. so good. <laughs> I, I could literally hear, listen to you ramble on for ages. <laughs> <laughs> does Instagram scare the heck out of you? Feeling like you're always struggling to save time on the good old gram while also creating flawless branded professional content for it? We feel you. We have made a special little something just for you. We created a PDF with our top five apps we use in conjunction with Instagram to create smooth, professional content while saving us time and energy. This is a list compiled after years of using Instagram and searching for all the secret pro tools to make our jobs easier. If you've ever wondered, how the heck did she do this? Or how did she make that? It's probably answered by one of these apps. There are little secret sauce to spicing up your Instagram. We use these apps daily and they've absolutely changed the game for us. So if you're ready to uplevel your Instagram and create pro content with just a few clicks, we got you. Head on over to www.theheartuniversity.com slash apps and let's uplevel that Instagame. That's A-P-P-S, y'all. Hey, Heart fam, we had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get paid, aka my favorite part. (laughs) HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. 
That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. This actually leads perfectly into the next question, kind of just kind of this discussion that we're having is if you could go back and give your young entrepreneurial self three pieces of advice, what would they be? Get clear on your vision and purpose. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. when I was 18, I wasn't clear. And it took me till 25, 26 to at least start to search for it. So to get really clear, probably took me a few years after. Now I made a bit of money along the way, got into property and wrote some books. So all good. But probably didn't have a clear vision until my early 30s. So the first piece of advice I would get is when it comes to your life, your vision and your purpose, you've got to ask yourself every day, what am I supposed to do? What do I love? What do I love to do? What am I passionate about? What comes spontaneously natural to me? Um, what could I do for the rest of my life? What is most important to me in my life? And then go on a mission to fulfill that. That would be one. Um, two, would it, it would be to educate yourself. So there's a lot of people that rely on brokers or independent advisors, financial advisors for managing or advising them on money. And I say you should be taking that responsibility yourself. I wrote a very deep dive book on money called Money, which did really well in the UK. I think it was best-selling um, non-fiction book in my publishers for two or three years, if not on in, in its category. It, was, it did well. Wow. Um, and my, my, um, my goal of that book was to have a book that um, was like an encyclopedia of money, the story, the psychology, the history, the mindset, the strategies, the tactics, the skill set. And um, why is it at school we learn all these subjects? I'll, g- I'll give you an example. Um, I, was, I, I moved myself up from the middle sets to the top set in school by hard work. And in the top set, um, they took um, French and geography, two separate subjects, and they merged them into one called géographie, which is geography in French, and they taught us geography in French. But they didn't teach me about money management, about budgeting, about managing my emotions, about um, developing relationships and partnerships. But they taught me geography in French, which seems just so farcical. And that, mm-hmm. that, that's just become, yeah. we're, we're not taught the right things. This is yeah. why it's my, one of the reasons why I've got this strong passion and vision to teach as many people on the planet to start and scale their business and get a better financial education. Because I think we're not taught it early enough. It should be in the curriculum in schools, taught learning about yeah. money. I mean, a lot of our addictions come from money. A lot of our pleasures come from money. Our basic sustenance and survival and shelter and food comes from money because that is our agreed universal exchange of value. Yet we're not yeah. taught even how to budget yeah. Um, yeah. and how to manage your emotions of money and consumerism and, you know, money emotions and retail therapy and money addictions. We're not taught any of it. Um, so, yeah, that would be the second piece of advice I would give to my young self. It would be, um, self-educate on money and finance and business and personal development. Mm-hmm. And then I think the third one would be, it would be a, a, a coin flip, a coin toss between um, believe in yourself and be kind to yourself. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you four. Um, so believe in yourself. I think I just like to give a bit more value than that. <laughs> um, I love it. So... I don't, I mean, I was quite good at golf. I was a single figure handicapper when I was a kid. I was good at cricket, but I never really believed in myself. I never believed I could be good enough. 
Um, and I didn't really give myself any credit. And I think if you don't believe in yourself, why should anyone else? So mm. that would be one. But I think in being kind to yourself is so important. I mean, entrepreneurs who look at the person who's doing better with the big house and the bigger the car and the bigger turnover and the bigger market share and the bigger podcast and the better, better selling book. And, you know, we can beat ourselves to a pulp and compare ourselves and subordinate ourselves and feel not good enough. But we're all on our own journey. And we're all struggling to do the right thing with all these emotions and pains and experiences and challenges. And we all make mistakes. And um, I, I speak to so many entrepreneurs and it's really common. Most of us beat ourselves up. I mean, I've spoken to five entrepreneurs over the last three weeks who have been suicidal, um, you know, lockdown and various things. And, and many who have really struggled, many you know, single mums who are trying to raise kids and, and be an entrepreneur and people who say to me they're crying every single day. Don't get me wrong. I've got a lot of case studies, success stories, people doing really well, people I mentor. But I, I always have my um, door open. Anyone can private message me and book a call with me if they're really struggling. So because I've opened that, people who are really struggling do tend to reach out to me. Um, and the common denominator in all those people who are struggling is they have got unrealistic expectations. They're expecting too much of themselves. They're comparing themselves to others and they're beating themselves up for it. And they're killing their own self-worth instead of looking at what they have achieved. Instead of looking at the, you know, the one mistake, look at the 28 things they did well. And that can be the entrepreneur's curse. So there would be the four bits of three and bits of advice I would give. Oh, that's so good. You just threw so much. Yeah, I'm just like, I could dive <laughs> into each of that. Like... <laughs> It's so, so good. I think uh, it's it's interesting also when you, you were kind of talking about being kind to yourself and, you know, comparing ourselves to that entrepreneur who has a bigger house or, you know, having better turnovers or, or whatever that looks like. That just kind of brought me to the, the topic of success and how, you know, one entrepreneur might, you know, be making X millions or whatever. And, the other person, you know, someone listening to this might be making, you know, 45,000, but they're happy with that. And, and our definitions of success, like I've had this conversation with a lot of people and love to just kind of like chat with you about that, Rob, if you're down, like, yeah. you know, success looks different for every single person. And so if, if we're comparing our quote unquote success to, you know, if I were to compare mine to, to yours, you know, I might be in a totally different path or a different season of life where, you know, my success might be X, Y, and Z, but yours is A, B, and C. And uh, do you have thoughts on kind of like our definition of success yeah. and how it might be skewed by society? But, you know, any thoughts on that that you want to throw out there? Yeah, I, I have a definition of success and um, it's taken me 41 years to find it. Um, and I'm going to make a general statement and it's hard to make success a general statement. Because like you said, it's individual to everyone. And I do believe that. Yeah. But I also believe this general statement is what success is. I believe that success is being valuable. Because mm. if you're not valuable to anyone, then you're a consumer. You know, you're, you take more than you give. And if we were all consumers and we all took more than we give, we, we, we would die out as a species. Whereas if you give more than you take, you produce more than you consume, you're valuable. You know, you matter to a niche or a market or to the masses. It doesn't really matter. It's being valuable. 
So um, there's a there's a, a psychologist called Alfred Adler. Now he was fairly of the era or in the same bracket at the time as um, Freud and Jung, but not really as well known. But in Adlerian psychology, one of their belief systems is that self-worth comes from giving value. So it, it feels nice to get paid, and I'm not going to deny that. And I don't want you to think I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit overly hippie or spiritual or competitive here. I love money and I love getting paid, and I love nice <laughs> cars, and I'm, and I'm sitting in, in my very big garden in my massive house. So don't get, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but um, when you give a £120,000 cheque to a charity or um, we donated, I, I raised £20,000 for the NHS, I raised £10,000 or nearly all m- me raising it to give one of my friend's sons a life-threatening operation. I raised £17,000 to raise the money to give my sister an um, emergency kidney operation. Those things moved me far greater and made me feel more deep sense of uh, it's not even happiness because happiness is a fleeting emotion yeah it comes and it goes contentment is not the right word either because contentment is almost oh i'm done i don't need to do anymore contentment Mm -hmm. is always transient as well but it's like fulfillment it's like your soul is warm Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and the 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 thing that makes your soul the most warm is when you make a difference to other people's lives. Yeah. And I think, I think that's somehow biologically inbuilt in us. I mean, because if you think about happiness, it's quite complicated because I reckon, I don't know, I couldn't even put words on it, but I reckon you and I experience 30 or 40 or 50 different variations of happiness. There'd be elation. Mm-hmm. There'd be contentment, fulfillment. There'd be um, al- almost some kind of, sexual enjoyment then you know and that you know in any there'd be a quick hit of dopamine there'd be satisfaction there'd be joy there'd be gratitude i mean i could go on and on of all these different words which they're different values they're different feelings of happiness with a combination of different chemicals in our body I believe we're biologically hardwired that the greatest sense of the deepest level of happiness and fulfillment will come from either our greatest challenges, because you know when you've done something really hard for really long, how unbelievably good it feels afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't feel unbelievably good to have a quick win. And then also the value we give to others. So um, if I'm going to put my flag in the ground and say, this is the definition of success, and I'm going to argue with everyone about it, is being valuable. Mm-hmm. That's so I good. Yeah. It's so, so good. Well, and I, I think just this whole conversation has just made me kind of realize, I, I don't, what you were saying, Rob, is just, I feel like it, it leads kind of almost to the, the purpose and like meaning question again of where are you deriving your meaning of what you, like your purpose in life of, of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And are you chasing happiness? Are you continually trying to chase things that make you feel good in the moment? Or are you chasing a bigger purpose and meaning of life of why you're doing what you're doing? Um, I mean, I just, I nerd out on conversations like this because it's like, <laughs> I think it's so important to to get to the core of like why we're doing what we're doing and not just chasing I, I, happiness, money, success, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, if there's something to chase, it's a meaningful vision. It's creating mm-hmm. as much value as possible. Now, by the way, I mean, there is financial fair exchange and there are universal laws. The more value you give to others, the more value you receive in return. You will create equity and goodwill um, the more value you give. And that, that will probably be financial. You've got to figure out how to make it financial. You can't go and heal the world and never send an invoice to anyone. You know, it's your responsibility too. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there is wealth stored in value. Um, you just have to create yeah. a fair exchange environment. Yeah, that's so good. Oh, this conversation is really fun. It's, I feel like it's, <laughs> it's so important as as entrepreneurs, you know, to to focus on kind of every every side of the journey of not just, you know, looking at your numbers and being like, oh, this, you know, this deal was a success. This is a good business plan. This ROI looks promising, you know, all of that, but also, you know, how is my heart doing? How am, am I actually feeling about life? Am I pursuing this to fill a void or, you know, am I doing this out of an excess of how I'm feeling and who I am as a person? You know, am I, am I, pursuing this to make a difference in the world or am I pursuing this to fill a void because one will lead you to you know further pain and burnout and one will lead you to you know a, a long lasting joy that stays regardless of your circumstance like joy is different from happiness happiness is an emotion that that like you said rob is fleeting but joy is a deep seated like fulfillment and contentment like you were saying that is just it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You can still feel joy, even if the world or everything is falling apart. So I love that we're even having this conversation because I think more entrepreneurs need to discuss this and to be able to discuss it with you, Rob, where you've, you know, gone through a lot of this and you're willing to share your journey and your mistakes and be like, avoid this. Don't, don't pursue this. Take care of yourself is this is just so cool. Thank you. I love it. Perfect. Um, kind of going towards wrapping up, we know that, I guess one of the few last questions, um, we know that you're on a mission to change the way that people think about business just in general. So could you walk us through what that means to you? Like, what do you mean when you say like change the way that people think about business? Um, okay. So if I were to say how you could be a disruptive entrepreneur. That's what my podcast is called. So let's call it that. What, what, what is being a disruptive entrepreneur? I think it is offering value at, at, at the right time. So some people, you know, like shops that have closed down, that was value at the wrong time. It was valuable before and not anymore. And obviously, internet is now where the value is. So um, creating value, solving a problem, serving, caring, creating, producing at the right time where there's a need in the market. I would say that is being an entrepreneur. I would say it's um, marketing it in a way and telling the story in such a way that it, it moves people to want to take action, buy your products and services, get bought into your um, vision and mission and or the unique way that you do what you do. Why Uber over taxis, for example? What's the story? That would be the, the second element. The third element would be to create the fair exchange environment. So that is value to the consumer, i.e. a fair price. I'm willing to pay that price and I feel it's valuable. And then fair profit margin 
for the producer, i.e. I'm willing to charge this price and there's a good profit margin in it for me such that I'm not resentful. And then when you get that fair exchange, you get great gratitude on both sides and you get referrals from your clients and you get good service from your um, producer um, of your products or services. So that would be the third element. And then the fourth one would be continual disruption and reinvention, disrupting yourself, reinventing your market, making sure you um, are in with the new technologies and advancements, not too early, but not too late, and the continual and never-ending improvement of those pursuits. So that would be disruptive entrepreneurship broken down into four constituent parts. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that gets me so excited. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, well, Rob, you are absolutely incredible. This interview has been just so freaking fun. It feels like a, a good you know, sit down over a, you know, a drink type of conversation. <laughs> and I so, so deeply appreciate that. I feel like we need more of those in the business world of people just sharing their stories, their journeys, their lessons. Um, if you have also, to, I, I also real quick, I love yeah. that Rob, I think you're sitting in your garden, like you said, and just this whole entire time, there's been like ambient garden sounds and it's just really bringing a vibe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the, birds, the birds here are very noisy and they always kick off when I'm on a live or being interviewed <laughs> or it. doing a podcast. Yeah. I just thought life's too short. I was going to walk around the living room. There you go. You can hear that. Hear that yeah. one. That's yeah, a noisy like one. <laughs> yeah, it is. I've got an owl looking at me. Um, but I just thought, no, I'm, I'm going to sit in the garden because life's too short. There you go. Yes, I love, I love it. That. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, well, wrapping up, Rob, if you had to say one lesson, like kind of boil down everything that you've learned in your life and especially in your entrepreneurial journey, what do you feel the biggest lesson that you've learned in business is? Mm. Okay, I'm going to do a commercial answer and a more personal answer. Perfect. So the commercial, the commercial answer is you've absolutely got to learn and master marketing because um, sales is converting leads into money, but marketing is generating leads. Yeah. And a lot of people mm-hmm. think about sales, but they don't think about marketing. So if you think about yeah. shop, sales is there's a clerk in the shop and someone's buying, you know, a shirt or a suit, and they might even get up sold a, sh- a tie and a pair of shoes. If sales is collecting that money in the shop, marketing is getting the person in the shop in the first place. Yeah. And if you're good at marketing, you're good at business. You can know marketing is creating a story, creating demand, creating leads. So on a commercial level, you've got to focus on and study and master marketing if you want to master business. Um, and I know so many people with a good product, a good service, a great coach, a great consultant, a great trainer, uh, a heart-centered, caring person who's crap at marketing because they've got no self-worth to tell their story or they've got no commercial desire or interest or they've got fear in doing ads and actual lead generation. Um, then on the more personal side, this is a difficult one. Um, But I I think it is the relationships that you build. Now, they say, is saying that people say, you know, do the right thing even when no one is watching. Mm -hmm. And I know in my life, I'm not going to sit here and say I've done all the right things. I've made some mistakes and made bad decisions. And every human being makes bad decisions. 
But if I look back on the right decisions when no one was looking, I always got rewarded in the end. Mm-hmm. And then if I looked back on my decisions of temptation or short-sightedness or emotion or whatever, thought I might get away with that, you know, those, those kind of decisions in the end, they, they've hurt me. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, do the right thing even when no one was watching, which is obviously all interpersonal relationships. It's all about another person, a staff member, a client, a partner. I would probably say it's something around that uh, is, would be the biggest lesson in um, business around people. You, you know, you cannot grow a significant business without people. You need relationships, partnerships, staff, outsourcers, VAs, PAs, salespeople. Um, you need it all. So I think I see a lot of people and they're really latent with their emotions. Sorry, they're... Um, they, they leak their emotions out. They're emotional. They, they think the world is against them. They're fighting everyone. Everything, everything is a scrap. They're defensive. They're aggressive. You know, they're turning people over all the time. They're trying to beat people. And, you know, they're pulling tricks on people. They're outing people. They're getting into fights and arguments with people. That, that's, that's no way to treat people and run a, a long-term business. If you have enough fights in the end, You'll build up enough enemies and they'll all come to beat you mm-hmm. down later, somewhere down the line. And by the way, I've learned this because I've had scraps and I've learned this because I've got defensive and I've learned this because I've let my ego take over. Um, and thankfully, I don't have too many enemies. And thankfully, I've not had too many scraps. And then when I've had a scrap, I've, I always make it my mission if I have a scrap, you know, or fallout or mm-hmm. something reputational or legal or partnership breaks. Let, let loads of water go under the bridge and then go and make it good. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, there's only, I can count on less than one hand the amount of people I've got in my life where it, there's still some wrong there. And I'll, and I'll write that at some point in the future because you're going to have fights. You're going to have to defend yourself. You can't let people bully you. And sometimes you have to stand up and take some punishment. But yeah, you know, your interactions and relationships, your horizontal relationships with people, that's that, because that builds trust and, and businesses trust. That's so good. Yeah, I could not agree with, honestly, both points that you made, marketing (laughs) and building relationships and really valuing people at the foundation of everything you do. Brilliant. Like Mm -hmm. that. Could not agree more. Um, Rob, it has been a joy to have you on the show. Thank you. We have enjoyed this conversation. (laughs) This conversation has just been so much fun to have. Just even diving into like deeper meanings of like, what is entrepreneurship? And like, what is the meaning of what you're doing? I just, I love this whole thing. To wrap it up, I would love you to, I know you said you don't like uh, sharing uh, you not really, we already shared your accolades, but share where people can find you, where they can either buy your books or get connected with you, find you online, basically drop all your, all the places people can find you. Okay, cool. So my podcast is The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Uh, you can find me on all social medias. If you search Rob Moore, R-O-B-M-O-O-R-E, you'll find Facebook, YouTube. I'm pretty prolific on those. Um, I mean, if you search my name on Audible or Amazon, my book Money, Start Now, Get Perfect Later, there's there's lots of them. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of a start to get you going. Uh, there's, there's a ton of content out there from me. I produce content every single day on, on my committed journey to try and help as many people start and scale their business and get a better financial education. Perfect. So good. Rob, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time and just being real and vulnerable. And I feel like 
what you talked about today is absolutely essential for entrepreneurs to know. So thank you for sharing that part of your journey with us. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. You're both lovely. So thank you. (laughs) You're the best. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks.